am entitling this, or titling this, uh, Paul's Perspective on Life and Death. And uh, let's begin with a word of prayer here this evening. Lord, again, we thank you for the privilege to assemble in Jesus' name. And uh, we thank you for the ongoing ministries of, of the evening. We pray for Awana Youth Group that these ministries would be blessed of you. Be with the, the leaders, the ministry of the word. Pray for the hearts of the young people that they would be attentive and and responsive to the Spirit of God uh, working in their lives. So we commit our, our uh, evening to you now, our study as well, and ask your blessing upon it. Pray in Christ's name. Amen. Okay. Well, as we begin, uh, we are in Philippians. Uh, the theme is Rejoice in the Lord. Strong emphasis on, on rejoice throughout the book, which is kind of a, amazing in light of the context that the Apostle Paul finds himself in, that is, in prison one of the prison epistles, and you all know the key verse, right? Philippians 4.4. 4. Yep, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Uh, after the salutation opening prayer, we have this long section, Rejoicing in Christ Our Life, which is where we find ourselves uh, yet tonight. Even though it is a prison epistle, it is very gospel-oriented in terms of the nature, in terms of the emphasis and uh, with that comes an eternal perspective. Paul definitely has an eternal perspective as he writes, and we will see that again tonight. We saw last time as we finished out our study that <clears throat> Paul's life verse could have been Philippians 1.21. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. kind of summarizes the purpose, uh, the driving motivation in his life. It was to, for him to live was Christ, and to die was gain. Well, uh, we pick up on that tonight. Uh, we, he enlarges upon it as we get into the rest of the chapter here. Let's have somebody read verse 22. We'll just take one verse here at a time here to start with. Somebody want to read verse 22? John? Okay, so he's saying here, if I, if I live on in the flesh, what will this mean? Uh, this will mean fruit from my labor, yet what I shall choose I cannot tell. So he is contrasting life in the flesh, which is the realm of physical life that we all live in at this moment. And so he says, if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. <clears throat> it will mean he continues to be productive for the Lord. That's what he's thinking. Uh, to live here is to be fruitful for the Lord. That, that, that's the whole idea. And uh, he's making a difference in people's lives. Uh, he's sharing the gospel with people. Uh, he's being used of the Lord to edify the saints, to see them build up. And, of course, Paul has been used to establish churches, uh, write scripture, put Christ on display in his life. All of these things relate to uh, the idea of, of fruit. We want to be fruitful. I mean, the whole idea is to be fruitful. John 15, uh, if we abide in Christ, we will bear much fruit. Uh, that's, that's always the goal. He says, uh, from my labor, and of course, fruit and labor go together. No, no labor, no fruit, right? Right, that's right. So fruit and labor go together. And uh, the wonderful thing about laboring for the Lord is, it's counting. It's counting. And that's what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, this comes at the end of the resurrection chapter, as we call it often. Um, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 
It's the one thing that's really counting, right? Only one life to live, which will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Uh, you, can't, you can't hold the stuff here, but you can send it on ahead, right? Lay up your treasures in heaven, Christ said, not, not on the earth for, for that very reason. Yet we kind of have a tendency to do just the opposite, kind of cling to the stuff here and not so much major on there always. There, there's uh, temptation in that direction. But Paul says, uh, for me to live on in the flesh will mean uh, fruit from fruit from my labor. <clears throat> it will be heavenly gain uh, for him to stay here. Uh, it's, it's, well, I should say it this way. It's gain for him to go to heaven, but if he stays here, it will mean more fruit. And this is his whole purpose. Uh, you know, he says, basically, I'm investing in the stock of Christ's truth, and that's going to pay eternal dividends. That's really what he's emphasizing here. But then he says, uh, yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. So he's kind of in a quandary here. I'm not sure which way I should go. Do I, if, if it's really up to me, and thankfully it's not, right? <laughs> it's not like, well, I'm, I'm making a choice. Am I going to live or am I going to die? Uh, not ethically. <laughs> I guess you can decide you're going to die right now, but that's not, it's really not your choice to make. It's not up for you to play God or me to play God. That's God. God makes that decision. But Paul's musing here, as far as if it was his choice, would I choose to go to heaven, which is gain, or would I choose to stay here, which will mean more fruit from my labor? And he says, uh, I don't really know what I, my call would be. And it's kind of interesting in light of his whole context. We've been talking about this. Remember the last couple of years for Paul have been very hard in his trek to Rome, ending up in a Roman prison. I mean, he's been confined in one context or another for the last couple of years already. So, you know, a guy like that might just say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm getting old. I've got some hard miles on my body. By all means, send me on. <laughs> I'm ready to go. But here he says, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I would choose. Uh, what I shall choose, I cannot tell. Okay, uh, any thoughts there before we go on to verse 23? Yeah. Well, that's true. He knows he's going to be serving the Lord, and he's expecting that's going to continue to bear fruit. It's going to be, it's not like I'm just biding my time here. It's, um, I'm going to be laboring. I'm going to be bearing fruit. He's, he knows that. As, that's almost like a given. It's not like, well, I'm just, I'm sitting in prison here. I might as well just go to heaven. I'm, there's no fruit here. No, he's not thinking that way. As long as I'm here, I'm going to be bearing. What, what's that? I think we can <clears throat> Absolutely. I believe so. Every, uh, no matter where our station is, what, what is going on with us, we have a purpose and we can put Christ on display. We can always pray. Uh, we can be fruitful in some way or another for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a good point. All right. Uh, let's have somebody read verse 23. Who wants to read that? Yeah, Dale back in the back there. Okay, so he's, he's building on this now, and he says, I'm hard-pressed between the two. Uh, literally here, hard-pressed is pressed from every side. We might say between a rock and a hard place, right, as far as our common vernacular. So he's, I'm feeling, you know, I'm, I'm feeling, I don't know which way to go. I'm hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. And so 
really, this word uh, desire here, uh, sometimes translated as lust, and the word lust can mean a good desire or a bad desire, depending on the context. Most of the time, it is a negative in the New Testament, but there's a few times where it's in a positive sense. It simply means a, having a strong desire uh, for something. And so uh, he's in effect saying, I'm, I'm lusting for heaven. I'm having a strong desire for heaven, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. So he tells you right out, really would like to go to heaven, right? Uh, this is a strong desire that he has here, a holy desire. And uh, it's good to note uh, one thing about Paul. He had a little advantage over us, right, where we live. And what was Paul's advantage when it comes to heaven? Well, in terms of insight, he had been there, right? He had been there. Paul had, had a, he had seen heaven. Uh, not sure about some of the details here, but notice what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I know a man in Christ 14 years ago, whether in body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know. And we like to say that um, Paul went to heaven, you know, but I don't know. Maybe it was just an experience he had within the body. I mean, you know... He saw it, uh, whatever the deal. Yeah, uh, God knows, he says. He doesn't know for sure. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. Either in vision or actuality, he doesn't know. It was, such a, it was a real experience for sure, caught up to the third heaven. And of course, uh, where is the third heaven? Yeah, where God dwells, right? We got the first heaven where the birds fly, right? We got the second heaven where the, the planets are. And then we got the third heaven where God dwells. And he says that's where he was caught up to, caught up to the third heaven. And I, saw, I know such a man, uh, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. He repeats that, so he's emphasizing that. God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter, which is kind of interesting. <clears throat> All he tells us is, I've been there, <laughs> but I can't talk about it. No, the, the, he, he was not good at selling books. Uh, not, not, uh, been to heaven and back, and no, no, he, yeah, heaven is for real. I mean, <laughs> yeah, nope, no books. And what's amazing, he, he says, uh, you know, I'm forbidden from writing a book about it, right? I heard inexpressible words that are not lawful, right? That's what he says. I heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. You know, we kind of like to know a little more about that. What are inexpressible words? Obviously, words you can't say. Well, why can't you say it? Well, one reason you can't say it is it's not permitted. It's forbidden. Uh, why? I kind of like to know why, but I'm good with whatever. It's, it is bigger than us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we, it, it, it addresses our curiosity a little bit, doesn't it? I mean, as far as like, what, what was it? Well, no, but, you know, he saw something there. That's what I'm saying. He had a little advantage over us as far as, hey, I can't wait to get back there. Uh, this, is a, this is not going to be a, a negative. It's, it's positive. And uh, so notice there, uh, he's looking forward to a return trip. Uh, having a desire to depart and be with Christ. Uh, the idea of depart here, uh, this is what death is. It's a departure. It's not, it's not the end. We say, well, death is the end. No, it's not. Yeah, it is in terms of, you know, our experience in this life, but it's really not the end. Uh, depart, this word was used of loosing a, a ship from its moorings. 
breaking up a tent or breaking up camp. Death is pictured as, as sailing away or moving away. It's, it's not the end. It's merely a transfer from one place to another. You're just transitioning. Paul describes the human body as a tent, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, thus, death is the breaking down of, of one tent in order to move to a new location. In 2 Timothy 4, 6, Paul uses the very same word to describe his impending death in relation to his second Roman imprisonment. And there he says, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. That's what death is. Uh, it's, uh, it's a departure. You're just going from one place to another place. And you're moving up higher, literally. I mean, you're moving up to a better context. And that's what he's emphasizing here. Uh, having a desire to depart and be with grandpa. Oh, no. Mother. Uh, with my spouse. No, no. None of these things. Uh, having a desire to depart and be with Christ. There's a tremendous emphasis here. The first thing in Paul's mind is not all these loved ones that have gone on. And that is part of it. I mean, we see other scriptures. We're gonna, the dead in Christ will rise first. We will be caught up with them. To meet the Lord. And those are words of comfort. Uh, we are going to be together with our loved ones who are believers. Not to downplay that. But the main focus is Christ. Uh, and here, that's what he's bringing out. Uh, where is he going? He's going to be with Christ. That's where he's going. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. He doesn't even say heaven. Now, we know Christ is in heaven. We're looking for the Savior to return from heaven. Our citizenship in heaven from which we're, we're waiting for the Savior to come. Philippians 3, 21. But, uh, you know, the emphasis is Christ here. Remember, he said, for me to live is Christ. To die is to go to be with Christ. It's like Paul's got this Christ-centered uh, concept that just is bigger than life. No pun intended. Uh, so note that emphasis here. Christ is the main, the main focus here. Um, next slide here. Uh, notice Paul says nothing about soul sleep or purgatory. Do you see purgatory in there anywhere? Good. <laughs> Total heresy. Uh, you know, it's one of the, you know, I got four, four major issues with Roman Catholicism and purgatory is one of them because it's totally a work salvation. I mean, either Christ paid it all or he didn't. And, and, and if you got to go to purgatory and finish paying for it, it's obvious you don't believe in, in the savior. You don't believe in his complete uh, sufficient sacrifice for sins. Uh, so it's nothing about soul sleep or purgatory. When a believer dies, immediately their soul spirit goes directly to heaven. You close your eyes in death and, and are immediately and consciously in heaven. Uh, you, know, how, you say, well, how, how do you get that far that quick? I have no idea. I just know it's true. As, as Paul says, we are confident, yes, well, pleased, rather to be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. I mean, just that quick. Just there. Yeah, you can say so. In the fullness of the word. Yeah, yeah. In, in his presence is fullness of joy. I mean, we have eternal life right now. That's true. We enjoy the life of God. God lives in us and we have his life, his eternal life. But the fullness of it, the fullness of the experience. And actually, even once we get to heaven, I don't think we will have the full experience yet. I think we're going to get that in the, the day of redemption, as the Bible calls it, resurrection day. When we get our body back and are fully back together as God intended in a glorified form, 
we really will have the full experience as God intended us to have as, as human beings. So, yeah, that's good. Okay, um, <clears throat> one more slide here. In First Thessalonians, Paul explains that when the Lord comes, he will be bringing with him the souls of departed believers, who at that point will be reunited with their resurrection bodies. Note that uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.14 tells us where they are, right? Uh, my mom died about uh, two years ago. I think it was two years ago. Who? Yes. yes, thanks. <laughs> but, uh, you know, this is where she is now. For if we believe that Jesus died and, and rose again, that's shorthand for the gospel. If we believe the gospel, uh, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Where are they? Well, they're with him. Right now, that's where they are. In death, the body is pictured as being asleep, but the soul is very much alive and conscious in Christ's presence. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, not a, it's not a mystery to us. We, we know what's happening as believers at the time of death. The world is just, they got this fog. They talk about a better place. They have no idea what they're even talking about. Uh, but we know the truth. So, um, I'm, uh, for I'm hard-pressed between the two, whether to stay here, and continue to bear fruit, or uh, to go and to be with Christ, having a, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Notice here, note the, note the words here very carefully. He didn't say, it's just a tad better. <laughs> just slightly, ever so slightly, just a little better. It has the edge. Heaven has just a little bit of the edge. No, no, no. Far better. Far better. You know, one day we were on our way to church here, and I said to Janie, I said, I think heaven's going to kind of be like Southview. And she's looking at me like, wow. <laughs> and I said, no, in this way, here's my illustration. You know, we were in the other building, and it was great. But we've moved up to a better place, and I don't sit there, go to church, say, well, I wish we could go back to the old place today. No, I don't ever think that way. This is so much better. I think heaven's going to be that way. We will never say, boy, you know, this is kind of a bummer, a real... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? I miss yeah, I miss earth. I, I wish I could go back to earth. No, no, it, it, we, won't, we won't think that way. You know, the grieving is all on this side. You know, we do miss our loved ones. And there's that parting, and, and we, we hate that. I mean, death is the last enemy. It is an enemy. And it's not, you know, what God intended, uh, designed us for. So we do feel that. But... Uh, we do have a, a resurrection hope, and to die is uh, far better. To, be, to depart and be with Christ is far better. Uh, let's see here. Uh, there's an emphasis here. You don't see in the English, but you see it in the Greek, which is far better. In the Greek, Paul piles up the superlatives here, and Paul can do this. Uh, there are actually three comparative adjectives in this phrase. It literally would read, much more better. How's that for English? <clears throat> yeah, we like it. It's a good emphasis here, for sure. A threefold comparative is in view, stressing the highest superlative. In the greatest sense, it is better. It is not just better, but much better. And not just more better, but much more better. No more confinement, no more pain, no more limitations, no more struggling with the world, the flesh, and the devil. Um, far better. Far better. Much more better. All right. Any other thoughts here as we uh, conclude that verse? Okay. Anybody want to go to heaven? 
I'd like to hear a little bit more robust, but anyway, yes, Dave. <laughs> Dave? Oh, I thought you had your hand up. No, you. Oh! <laughs> good, 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 good. That's great. That's great. Uh, you know, I think, like I say, Paul did have a little advantage over us. I mean, it's kind of interesting when you're, when you're going to a place you've never been before. You, you know, you do kind of think, but Paul had been there. And, I mean, he could speak with some real authority here. Uh, of course, the authority is God's word and inspiration here. But, uh, like I say, uh, he, when he says to depart and be with Christ is far better, I mean, he had had a little taste of this in a way that none of us have had here. So, so anyway. Uh, okay, let's have somebody read verse 24. Who wants to read that for us? Yes, Levita. Okay, so Paul here is, uh, he, he says, I, I really want to be with Christ. I, I, I have that desire. But now he's kind of reasoning back and forth, and he says here, nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. You know what I see Paul thinking about here? Just in terms of himself, he said, boy, it'd be far better for me just to move on to heaven. That'd be, that'd be advantageous for me. But nevertheless, I'm thinking about you. It's more needful uh, for me to uh, remain in the flesh for your sake, for your sake. So uh, he's thinking about the, the benefit of the, the Philippians. And I think Paul thought this way as a, as a course of life. I'm thinking about Romans. Uh, the theme of Romans is the gospel of God in the first 11 chapters. Paul spells out the great truths of the gospel. But then in Romans 12, he pivots to application. Uh, we know those memory verses, right? Romans 12, 1 and 2. Great Awana memory verses. Uh, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice and so forth. He calls on the believer to be a living sacrifice. And then immediately, in context, which I like to help us understand and emphasize in my teaching ministry, Paul launches into this long section on body life and serving others. To truly serve God means that I build into the lives of others. This defined Paul and should define us as well. So what does a living sacrifice look like? Well, the rest of the chapter says it really relates to serving others. And that's what his emphasis is here. Uh, he's not thinking just about self here. You know, I, I, I'm interested in going to heaven, but I really kind of like to stay here because of all the fun times I still can have here. Uh, no, he's not thinking about that. He's thinking about how he can be useful to help the Philippians here. He's thinking about others uh, and serving others, not self. Okay, um, all right, any other thoughts on that verse? Yeah, he does. You're right. He kind of talks about it in the next chapter. I mean, those, you're talking about the opening verses? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get there, Marianne. We'll get there, Lord willing. Yeah, those are good. Okay, let's have somebody read verses uh, 25 and 26. Yeah, sorry, Albert. Yeah. Okay, thanks. So uh, he is uh, quite confident of this, uh, that it's beneficial for them that he remains in the flesh. And being confident of this, 
Uh, he says, uh, the sense is that he is confident. And he says, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. So he's quite, quite sure because of the need for him to be on the scene to, for, for their benefit that he's going to continue to remain on the scene. And again, notice it's not self-oriented. It's other-oriented uh, for, for your progress and the joy of faith. So he's thinking about their spiritual maturity, their spiritual growth, and he's here to help them advance in their, in their walk. And uh, notice he talks about your, pro- your progress and joy of faith. Uh, to mature is really to advance in a faith walk that relates to joy. And note that combination of progress, joy, and faith. It's really a package that, that goes together. And I think where you do have spiritual growth, you have a growth in joy. And, and his goal is to help people to advance in their spiritual walk to where they're growing in their faith, which means they're growing in joy as well. Uh, note this slide here. Note the extreme contrast between Paul's mindset and that of his critics. For the critics, it was all about self, as we have studied in weeks past here. For Paul, is about Christ and others. Uh, Paul, in effect, says, I'm confident that my work with you is not done. I'm confident that I will remain on the scene to help you advance in your spiritual lives. If it were not for that, I might as well go to heaven. It's a, it's a far better option than just sticking around here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm paraphrasing it there. Yeah, those are my words. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, any other thoughts? Yeah. Yep. The more of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the more of the, the more of the world, the, the drastic, he wants you to want more. You're never satisfied. Right. Uh, and Paul, when Paul thinks of, of a much more better day, yeah. he's not thinking about the things of this world <clears throat> outside of here. Right. And, right. and then when he thinks of here, like you say, you know, he's thinking about ministry, for which he's, he's in jail, he's been shipwrecked and beaten many times. You know, he's, so there is a Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's just breathtaking that some of the heresy that comes out in bold terms, like your best life now, uh, Joel Osteen. I mean, who could ever conceive of such a title? I mean, it's like on how in the world are you thinking to arrive at such a, you know, premise as that? I know it. And, and, you know, it, it's tickling their ears. They like it. It's, you know, hey, it's about me. You know, as, as his wife, Victoria, says, we're not really here so much for God today as we are here for us. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Okay, let's uh, look at verse uh, 26 here. Uh, he continues on with his thought there, that your rejoicing for me, me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Uh, so uh, this word rejoicing is the idea to glory in, uh, to boast, to exalt. Uh, MacArthur gives this definition here. 
In the Greek text, the phrase in Christ Jesus precedes the phrase in me, and that is the order Paul must have had in mind. The idea being, in order that your proud confidence may abound in Christ Jesus as he is seen in me. So I think the, the real exalting here and the glorying here is in what Christ is doing in relationship to Paul. That, that's really the, the idea here. That's what they're really celebrating and exalting in. And uh, notice, uh, Paul, what he's anticipating here. Paul anticipates his being released and coming to them, resulting in abundant, jubilant joy on their part for what Jesus Christ has done in bringing Paul back to them. What a time of joy and rejoicing that will be. How they love Paul and how greatly he loved them. The very thought of a reunion brings forth thoughts of anticipated, overflowing, jubilant joy, all because of Jesus Christ. I think that is the, the nuance that we have coming through in this verse here. Well, if I was to ask you tonight and say, well, why are you here? Why are you here tonight? And you might say, well, I'm here tonight because my children are in Awana. <laughs> no, I mean, why are you here on planet Earth? I mean, and why do you desire to stay here? <clears throat> and we cling to this life, right? But why? A little bit of challenge from the Apostle Paul. He says, the reason I'm here is to bear fruit. The reason I'm here is to build into other people's lives for the cause of Christ. For to me to live is Christ. That, that's the driving thing. And, and what does that mean to live for Christ? Well, it means that I'm building into the lives of others for the sake of, of Christ, uh, for the sake of, of building his church. So it, it all comes down to, you know, self versus the Savior. Uh, self versus serving others. Why am I ultimately here? The world's here for one big reason. It's number uno, right? I mean, they're, they're here for self. Uh, we live for self. And they, they live and die for self. For us, it's all about God. It's all about uh, Christ and, and living for Him. Summary statement. <clears throat> Paul was potentially at the end of his life in a Roman prison. Now, he didn't know for sure. He's quite confident that he's going to be released because <laughs> looking at the whole scene here. But, uh, you know, he was definitely facing a life-threatening situation with no possessions which amounted to anything. I mean, here this guy is. What's he got? Uh, his concern was not about dividing up assets among surviving heirs. <laughs> Paul was not concerned about leaving everything behind because he did not have anything. Rather, everything he had was what he had laid up in heaven. Such an approach enables one to confront death with a totally different attitude than is the case with one who's invested everything in this life. Indeed, that is true. You know, if, if you've laid it all out there for the Lord and you come to the end of your life, it's like, well, hey, you know, nothing holding me now. I'm ready to move on to, to what's bigger and better here, far, far better. And then finally, um, around 125 AD, a Greek by the name of Aristides wrote a friend concerning this new religion called Christianity. And this is what he said. If any righteous man among the Christians passes from this world, they rejoice and offer thanks to God. And they accompany his body with songs and thanksgiving as if he were setting out from one place to another nearby. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Uh, you got this testimony from a, a secular Greek here early in the church age saying, this is, this is what it's like for these people. Not that he's buying it necessarily, but they do. And this is, this is where their hearts were at. And uh, that's where ours uh, should be at as well as, as believers in Jesus Christ. We do know what Paul said here. To die is gain. And to depart and be with Christ is far better. Nevertheless, we still got work to do here. 
you know, you don't want to stay here longer than uh, you're useful, right? <laughs> as far as bearing fruit for Christ, as long as God can use you. And, and he decides that. Right? We don't decide. It's not up for us to decide. It's uh, God's call. All right. Well, we're going to stop there tonight. Any other thoughts, final thoughts as we wrap up here? Yes, Bill? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There are groups such as uh, Seventh-day Adventists and people like this who believe that when you die, you're not really in a conscious state. Uh, you're kind of in what they call soul sleep, where you're not really aware what's going on. You're just, you're just kind of like in a, in a non-conscious state. That's what I mean by soul sleep. Yeah. So I don't believe that. I believe, you know, like in Revelation 6, for example, uh, they're asking, how long, O Lord, uh, before you judge those on the world, uh, you know, for what they've done to us? I'm paraphrasing. But yeah, I believe that, you know, you're very conscious. And, and I think when he says, uh, even in our text here, uh, to depart and to be with Christ is far better, would, would imply, you know, the experience we're having here is going to be eclipsed by that. It's going to be better. It's not going to be lesser like, well, I mean, just kind of, you know, out here, unconscious, you know, not aware of anything. No, I think you are. I'm not sure, you know, we don't know much about heaven. Uh, the Lord himself didn't tell us too much about heaven, but we have just little hints. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's a real experience. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, and and both sides, right? I mean, you got the rich man in torments, and you got the beggar in paradise, and uh, enjoying the experience there. So. Absolutely. Yep. Huh? Right. Which is far better. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. I mean, I'm sure once we get there, you're kind of like, well, boy, what's my initial reaction going to be other than wow? Uh, you know, uh, I'm just thinking we'll be totally, you know, even though we're in our soul, we'll be flat on our face, <laughs> you know, before this awesome holy God. It's just... It's just overwhelming to even think about it. All right. Any other thoughts? Okay, let's uh, share some prayer items here. Did you all get a prayer sheet on the way in?